Look, this ain't entertainment. It's fuzzy and don't slay shit. These songs just the spirituals I swam against them waves with. Ended up on shore today, amazement. I hope the example I set's not contagious. Lock us behind gates, but can't tame us. Victory to me is when you spend your time right. Victory to me is when you get your grind right. Victory to me is when you get your minds right. Dedication. Hard work, plus patience to some more of my sacrifice. I'm done waiting, I'm done waiting. Told you that I wasn't playing. Now you hear what I've been saying. Dedication. Thank you for joining us today on We Are Amazing. We are the Dimes, the fellas. You thought I didn't see him hit that record button, but um, I did. So um, this is me. This is Marty Mar, Jamar Hardy. Follow me on Twitter at The Humbled Ones. Follow me on Instagram at GoMar. That's spelled G-E-A-U-X. That is the Creole spelling. Uh, we also have my man's Malik, my man's Alex, and my man's Zach for this day, and we are about to go crazy. So we please listen up, baby. Okay, that's this what is, I like this to is see. Nighttime with <laughs> oh man, did you did you hear him? Did you hear him, Malik? He came smooth, in right on, just smooth, smooth and cool. <laughs> Come on, so don't let your girl listen to this podcast. Oh, I might just take okay. it. It's the dark hour. <laughs> Come on, listen to the quiet, the quiet fire, the quiet fire, the quiet fire. <laughs> Who knows what I'm talking about? The quiet storm. Oh, oh man. man, this is the rundown once again. I am, you know, Zach B. We have Al, Mr. Mar, and Mr. Leek Hustle in the building. Gang, gang. And first things first, before we even get anything started, uh, we just want to pay, you know, a tribute to, you know, the LA, LA great, like Nipsey Hustle, who had a man of. How can, you even describe? How, Untimely can, demise, how can you even describe? Untimely demise. How can you even describe? Just hating, hating, hating at its at its full peak, man. Unfortunate, just unfortunate situation. You know, like you said, Mar, just flat out hate, just a flat out un unnecessary situation uh, for an individual that was just you know turning everything around, right? Yeah. You know, he was just, no, no conspiracy theories today, all right? Oh. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm with them all, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Not he, today. He right? was revealing He was revealing some uh, huge things in terms of uh, health. He was buying back the block, you know, and that's, you know, how, how important is that, fellas, you know, for the African-American community, the black community, it's to huge. have an individual like Nipsey Hussle. It's, it's huge, man. And the impact that he had, you know, for the black community. Because he saw things that, like, you know, that we... We knew about, but we just didn't, you know, we didn't have the power to change them at that time. You know, like, as far as, like, with living in the hood, man, like, there's not a lot of healthy food options. And that's one of the things that he targeted, you know. And then, like, living in the hood, like, you don't have a lot of black role models that you can look up to that really, you know, is living a good life and stuff like that. So, like, him being from that neighborhood and then be able to come up out of that neighborhood and still come back and give back to it and still be a part of it is, is huge because, you know, a lot of times we see people, who make it out and never turn back, you know. It's a little, you know, like, more power to them, but at the same time, you know, like, we need those people to come back for the hood, you know. And Nipsey Hussle was definitely um, one of those individuals, one of those icons that's that's looked upon by the millennials as, you know, some will say, you know, as even as, as he said, the Tupac of, of this generation, mm-hmm. you know, just the level of impact and the amount of knowledge that he was able to, you know, give out, you know, to his, to his fans and to the world. And so, uh, Alex, I know, you know, it's been uh, pretty heavy even for you because I know that, uh, you know, Victory Lap was a very, very, very... In the words of A, album of the year, baby. Yeah, you know, very, very influential album for yourself. 
So just talk a little bit about, you know, the Victory Lap album and what it meant, you know, just for you from a music standpoint and just overall. Um, just, it was just like all his hard work was finally, you know what I'm saying? I consider myself like one of the, I'm saying the early Nipsey Hussle fans, like from my high school days, you know what I'm saying? I always like gravitated towards like the West Coast and like their style of rap music, you know what I mean? And because you know what I'm saying, it's authenticity all, you know what I'm saying, all through it, you know what I mean? Because he actually lived, you know what I'm saying, the gang lifestyle and he was actually, you know what I'm saying, came back. Like, you know what I'm saying, basically trying to reincarnate himself into a businessman, you know what I mean? And that's what we need in our communities, you know what I mean? Because, like, um, like all, you know what I'm saying, all gang members aren't, you know what I'm saying, just, like, ruthless, you know what I'm saying, Absolutely. murderers or, you know what I'm saying, bad people necessarily, you know what I mean? And, like, they actually are, you know what I'm saying, educated gang members, you know what I mean? And then the way he, like, he's basically was like Tupac, you know what I'm saying, coming full circle, you know what I mean? Because Pac got that quote where he says, you know what I'm saying? I might not be the one to change the world, but I guarantee you, you know I'm saying, I would be the spark to change the world. And you know what I'm saying? That victory lap is, you know what I'm saying, all his hard work was like finally, you know what I'm saying, came all together. You know what I mean? Because he had, what, seven mixtapes, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Seven underground mixtapes yeah. before, you know what I'm saying, making a classic debut album. You know what I'm saying? His first album was Grammy, you know what I'm saying, Grammy, Grammy nominated. <laughs> and to me, you know what I'm saying, I was saying it since February. Like, this album of the year on top. I, I didn't even know what else, you know what I'm saying, was releasing, you know what I'm saying, from February all the way to December. It didn't even matter to me. Because, like, you know what I'm saying, the lessons that he was speaking, you know what I'm saying, and the truths that, you know what I'm saying, he was revealing, like his truths, you know what I'm saying, all our truths really coming from, you know what I'm saying, the neighborhood, you know what I mean? So it was like, man, like, it was tough. It's tough. It's tough. It was tough. Yeah, touch a little bit on that, Malik. Just, you know, just your thought process, you know, when you found out the situation, how it had happened and everything else and just like what is what can we do now you know as a, as a black community to to continue on you know the marathon you know in Nipsey's case I mean the dude that killed him he just don't know what he did for real like he for real just awoke in a whole bunch of Nipsey hustles out here you feel me like I feel like his death is for sure gone like carry over and it's gonna be a lot more people stepping up and playing that role playing that role of uh, not only making it to the top, but turning around and putting back into the community. Like I read, a, or I seen an interview, uh, one of the dudes, I think his name was like Big Cat or something like that, one of his old heads. And he was saying how he, uh, how he came out, how he got out of jail and the building that he got shot in from, in front of his uh, building, yeah. Nip had bought that whole building. But like back in the day, he was just selling, slanging records out of there, out, out of his trunk, you feel me? Out in front of that building. Got money, bought that building, changed the whole sloss and the Crenshaw uh, Ave, changed all that stuff around, and then as soon as you get on top, it's done. But Damn. with that being said, like like I said, I feel like a lot of people gonna follow uh gonna follow Nipsey's footsteps and like try to step up for their communities and be that role model in the black community that we need. You feel me? Absolutely, you know, absolutely. And just like one of the rappers um, that's been through and has even foreseen. You know a lot in terms of uh, violence and gang violence and uh, you know injustice and you know brutality within the own city of uh, of Baton Rouge. You know uh, Boosie. You know and he and he even said it in an interview one time. And I know you can uh, you can extend on that just the level of hate that you can have within your own city. You know I think uh, Boosie had a lot to say on that, and you know it, it stands it stands ground and it, and it holds water. It definitely holds water too to how people can really hate 
like you in your own town, your own city, no matter how positive things you're doing, no matter how many positive things you're doing, you know, it's always, it's always going to really be some crazy, form of like, like, like nip though, like that's crazy. Cause it feel like, like cause some people like envious, it feel like, they feel like it should be them, you know what I'm saying, in your shoes type, you know what I'm saying, type deal, when they really shouldn't be like that. I mean, that's how it is always, though, you know, like, whenever it's, it's, it's somebody climbing to the top, it's always three, four people, you know, pulling them down, you know, like, you you know, you never realize who your enemies is until you make it out, you know what I'm saying? Like, everybody cool when everybody at the same level, but when you got somebody really elevating it, then now you be elevating themselves, but trying to elevate everybody around them, you know, it's, it, it hit a lot different. Absolutely. My thing is, though, like... Like it's how many people nipped and put on, you feel me? Like he didn't put people on his uh, on his mixtapes, on his albums, like little freestyles, interludes, all that stuff. And I don't know if the dude like some I heard a story that he was a uh, that he was an upcoming rapper. I heard that he was a snitch for the Rolling Sixties, whatever, whatever. Let's say he was like a, a upcoming rapper. Like what's stopping you from you know already clapped his hand, you know already talked to him and everything. Like what's stopping you from just asking him like, listen to my music. Game him a CD Like I'm I mean, sure he probably Would've listened to it at the, at the end of the day You gotta look at it Like you know Like and I, You know like Me being who I am And spiritually And stuff like that Like you gotta look at it And the, the best example I can give to you Is Jesus Christ You know With, with Judas You preach With him You know like Being one of Jesus' main men Being somebody That could talk to Jesus Just like this man Could talk to Nipsey And I'm not comparing this To the Jesus in no way No shape, form, fashion Don't even get that twisted but at the same point, it's like, you know, like, no matter how good of a person you is, it's always going to be somebody out there who, who hating on you from afar, hating on you from, even from your inner circle. You know, that it's crazy. That's the world we live in. You know, and, like, we talked about this, you know, like, it's like, you know, if you had a man like that, you know, clearly it wasn't as heated as we thought it was. But, you know, like, for nobody to be on, on alarm and be like, okay, he could come back. Because it clearly it wasn't like that. So, like, you know, it's way deeper than rap at this point. But at the same time, like, you know, like, we can't be mad about it, sad about it. We just got to continue to, you know, like, listen and continue to grow. You know, like, at the end of the day, Nipsey wanted us to be better people. So, you know, like, hey, that's what I'm going to continue to do. You know, continue to live my life to be better. Absolutely. You know, the marathon, it definitely continues. You know, I, I just wanted to, you know, give Nipsey, you know what I'm saying, that moment, you know, just to... Just to give us us the opportunity to just you know reflect on you know our our main man's you know Nipsey Hussle, you know the powerful music, the influential music he's given us, the influential uh, words he's given us in interviews, you know all those sorts of things as we continue to move forward, you know with the rundown and now March Madness, gentlemen, it is coming to a conclusion. March was mad. March was definitely mad. Brackets. Busted, busted, beat up, <laughs> like, it's tortured, stomped uh, on all Except for Mr. Malik over there. Speak for y'all, I said, okay, you right, you right. Because we got a true, we got a true one in here. Let me go look at my percentage Oh, yeah, right Malik, now. this show segment. <laughs> what you mean? The floor, yeah, the floor is yours. <clears throat> first thing. But before we introduce Mr. Malik <clears throat> and his, you know, great job of being able to select them and pick them and, and everything else, just got a shout out to you for having uh, correct, you're our part of, you are a part of the 0.5% out of the entire world who has the national championship game for NCAA college men's basketball. Because you Correct. weird. Because you're weird. Why well, I got to be weird? Who just picked Texas Tech in Virginia? You chose you foresee, Texas You foresaw Tech. some defensive BS. That's what you said. In Virginia. You so the game going to be 10 to 11. <laughs> yeah, you picked Virginia and Texas Tech. Dissect your bracket and how you went about this. 
I'm gonna be honest. Just starting from the just start just start from the Elite Eight. Like just going from how you picked the, the Sweet 16 even and then the Elite Eight and how you got down to selecting Virginia and Texas Tech. I'm gonna be honest. Virginia I was kinda iffy on just cause of what happened last year. <laughs> and all that. So I didn't know no, like exactly you picked I didn't know exactly how they see or how they postseason was gonna go. But after I got the after I got to the Sweet Sixteen for real and I seen they had like Oregon and Purdue, or I picked UC Irvine to uh, play against them in the Sweet 16. I mean, they could, they for sure could beat UC Irvine. Then going on to Purdue and Auburn, like I just, I don't know, something in me, I just felt like I should pick Virginia. I don't know, I didn't have no specific reason, I just picked them. You Texas picked Virginia Tech, over? Over, from the Sweet 16, I picked them over, uh, over Oregon, or over UC Irvine. That's who I had over Oregon, but Oregon won. And then they beat Purdue. 80-75, then they beat Auburn, and not in shit. <laughs> so it's but, just that uh, simple, huh? <laughs> Texas Tech, I ain't had no reason for picking Virginia. That was just like a, that was a fluke, number one seed, right? Yeah, that, yeah. Texas Tech, I ain't gonna say they had an easy road, but that's how you look like, like yeah, like they, they they toughest game in my eyes was uh they had Michigan, which they took care of. They didn't even have to see Duke, so they didn't have to worry about Duke. And then they had Michigan State. So Michigan and Michigan State, they just had to make them make them two things work, and that was all they had to do. But they got defense on their side. They got long players in the uh that's starting off the bench. Jared Culver out here dunking on folks, driving to the lane, shooting threes, doing what he do. You got the forward Mooney. And yeah, yeah. Who is number yeah, thirteen, <laughs> bro? Who is number thirteen? The point guard. Is he the point guard? What's his name? Because one of them sitting <laughs> on guard. The white dude. The point guard. Oh, yeah, I know like you're talking about. Yeah. He's, like, yeah. he's, like, he's like a point guard. Yeah. Uh, Buck, you know? Bro, I ain't even know he's like that. <laughs> that <laughs> see, that's where everybody is like. That's everybody's where, like, that's where he, he was like that. And then he get the score. It's like, oh, my God. So they can score and play defense? Yeah. They're I real, mean, they, he, he might have been. half team, too. He, he might have been overshadowed by you know, a couple we'll of players. This. Neither one of them won the national championship. Or one of their players is out. Something like that. Ooh, Texas Tech? Yeah. Don't seem like it's affecting them. <laughs> it seems like they always turn it on in the second half. Like they score and turn on in the second half. Yeah, because it's like they stop you all first half. It's like second half. It's like, okay, we're going to stop you and we're going to score a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, damn. All this stuff. Like, this is crazy. And I was just listening. <laughs> to, beyond, I was just listening to um, I was watching ESPN and. Um, was it, is it Dan Lebatard? Is it something like that? Dan Lebatard? Yeah. yeah, so um, that show. So, like, they was talking about how, like, um, you know, the NBA, I mean, look at the NCAA, look at the NBA. NBA is all 100-plus games, you know, like 121 to 115, 150 to one. Oh, yeah, we going to talk you know, about like, that, yeah. And, that, and that's crazy we're gonna because, talk about like, that. the translation to the to lower level to the NCAA is, like, you know, like, it's, it's a different, it's, you know, like, for us to have this national championship where it's a defensive focus, like, a lot of people got a problem with it, but at the same time, like, this is games we lived for when it was, like, the Celtics versus the Lakers and the Bulls versus the Pistons and stuff like that. Like, just competitive. You know, we love games like this. I love competitive games. Like, I don't want to see nobody get blown out. Like, forget that. Like, I want to see a game where, like, I don't know who going to win, you know? Yeah, and I think that's what's come, what it's coming down to uh, with the Texas Tech and Virginia game, too, because, uh, of course, you know, everybody's saying it's going to be a pretty defensive game, but... Uh, Cover, I think he's gonna come to play. I think I'm hoping he at least puts up 20 points because if he can put up 20 points, that's at least what 
35 to maybe 40% of the scoring they're going to have total for the entire game anyway. So, you know, I'm rooting, uh, I'm definitely rooting for Texas Tech. Yeah, okay. But until they get to come <laughs> out here scoring that thing, you're going to be like, oh my God. <laughs> so, so how far did you have Gonzaga, Malik? Because Gonzaga. I, because, yeah, because I had Gonzaga. He had Texas, Texas Tech, Tech being Gonzaga's, Gonzaga. You did? Yeah, I had him beating them in Elite Eight. Now, what was your thought process for that game? Because Gonzaga was a pretty good team. They're pretty. They're oh pretty yeah, they solid. always they always got a good team, but but this team and that team this team was different too. You know, this team was a different type of Gonzaga team. You know, they played defense, and not only did they play D, they were able to have uh, some scoring too. From what's his name? Uh, what's his name? Alex Hashimura. Hashimura. <laughs> Rui Hashimura. <laughs> you know, he's a future mid round, mid first round pick. Uh, how'd you how'd you th- think about that and in that process of uh, selecting that team? You want to select, uh, select in Texas Tech? I mean, I just went with Jerry Cover to be honest with okay. you. Okay. Jerry Cover over, uh, I ain't going to lie, what's his name? Hashimura. Hashimura. Hashimura, yeah. He a better bucket getter than Jerry Cover for sure. But Texas Tech <laughs> is the better team in my eyes. Like I said, like the defense, like I've always been a defensive, like a defensive player growing up, especially in uh, high school. Like that's what we taught. That's what we was taught. That's where, that's where the thought process Yeah, like that's where, that's where we was always taught defense. So whenever I like look at basketball, that's why I was talking to you last night about the scores and all that because like I'm a defensive player. Well, I don't play defense now when we get the wreck. because <laughs> I'm old. But <laughs> when, we get, when we get to play, I'll be like, go ahead, go get them. Go get them, boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm always, I've always been preached to play defense. Defense play as a team. I ain't never been like no one person steal the show type per- type player. You feel me? Like I, I want to share it. Everybody get a touch. Everybody play get back on D. That's how you earn your minutes. You play defense. You feel me? Absolutely. This yeah. is crazy, Transition. man. Because Malik had, was like, what are you just saying? Like Auburn versus Texas Tech. Or something like that. Oh yeah, I was. Cause then, like, <laughs> but, but then all alone, you had Virginia versus Texas Tech in your final. I was only saying. I was only saying that because I was only better. saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it would look better. better. It probably. And better. Auburn shouldn't have made it as far as they made it. That's why I was saying that. You feel me? But you had like, that little Malik out there, man. Bro, you seen? <laughs> have you seen? <laughs> What's his name? Jerry, uh, Jerry, or Javon? Okay. No, it's Jerry for sure. It's Jerry, um. Jerry Cover or no? No, no, no. Nah, no. The point guard for Auburn. The small, the some 5'11 dude. Oh, Spencer. His last name's Spencer. Nah, not him. Uh, Harper, 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 Harper. Yeah, Harper. Excuse me, I don't know why I said that. You thinking of uh, All-American? <laughs> you thinking of All-American? No, it's Jerry, it's Jerry Harper, but like, <laughs> you thinking of All-American? <laughs> the thing about Auburn, though, is like, I don't feel like they had nobody who was, who was really out there who can create their buckets from the first half to the end of the game. Okay. Because, like, if you look at the game before Virginia, they had um kid's name, what's his name? Bruce Brown. Bruce, Bruce Brown. Bro, is that the light skin kid with the, yeah, with the headband? headband? Yeah, like he was creating first. He's out there flaming that, that boy. Got shut down. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, that's just them figuring out. Figuring yeah, out yeah, offense. no. But I'm saying if you're gonna, if you're that, if you're that star candidate, then you know, like it's regardless of what you figured out. Like people figured out what George was gonna do on one thing, but then he, okay, you figured out that that's one of one thousand. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. That's one of the bag of tricks. You know, but if you see, if you see the road that they got to the uh, final four with, though, that's why I was saying that. Oh bro. no, like, they for sure beat some. They people. took out Tennessee in the in their conference championship by like, like 20. Yep. They get to the first round, of, uh, the round 64, and they beat New Mexico State. New Mexico State. They're fifth seed. 
They beat Kansas the next round. They beat North Carolina the next round. They beat Kentucky the next round. Okay, okay, okay. Like, okay. That's when they had me one. They beat, they beat <laughs> North they, Carolina. Oh, yeah, they beat when Kentucky. They beat, yeah, yeah. When and they, they almost when they, beat they Virginia. That, yeah, I was kind of sold too. So at that point, I'm like, bro, they deserve to be here. Like, they weren't supposed to make it. They deserve to be here, yeah. bro. Like, they need to go in exactly. and shit. Now, we got some new coaches out there. Well, one in particular, uh, He's a stack. <laughs> How? He's a he's a former NBA player, you know, former Detroit Pistons, uh, former Washington Wizard. Stack. Went, uh, went around the NBA uh, in terms of coaching. Uh, been around the uh, G League a lot. Been G League, very, G League coach of the year. Been very proactive. Yeah, very proactive in the G League as well. As you mentioned, uh, Jamar, he was also a G League coach of the year, and now he's going into the college. College realm, Mr. Jerry Stackhouse will be Vanderbilt University's uh, next head coach for their basketball basketball program, and he was able to get Scottie Pippen's son, uh, Scottie Pippen Jr., the three-star, to join him That's at dope. Vanderbilt. That's dope. I just hope he get a fair shot. You know, like in the, uh, a fair amount of time. Um, the, the previous Vanderbilt coach, I was actually there. Like, um, we had a track meet at Vanderbilt. Um, and I found out probably like we was there, got there Thursday. So I found out Friday morning they had fired the head coach Friday morning. Um, and that coach he got three years. In two years he did like okay, and then the last year he didn't win a game in conference. So like I saw, I you know I could see that, but just I just hope that you know Jerry has a better time there. You know like in the SEC it's gonna be difficult, but I feel like Jerry you know was a good enough player, well great player. And then like you know clearly he just won G League play on Coach of the Year last year, you know, and they're heading to this year, so, like, it'll be good. And then, like you said, they got, um, they got, who is it, um, Penny, not Penny, but, um, is it Penny? Scotty. Scotty. Scotty's son. So, yeah, Scotty's son. So, that'll be good. You know, I'm excited to see what he does in his, um, college realm. Yeah, Malik. I wonder how, because Larry from, uh, from Vanderbilt, I wonder uh, how he would have been Larry if Austin. he would have had a couple years under his belt under, uh, Stackhouse. <laughs> what'd your, what'd your professor say? What'd your professor say, Alex? About, about Larry Austin and Vanderbilt? He shoot. <laughs> he probably, if he can shoot, he probably still be there. Something yeah. he said. Like, bro, you professors be tripping. Man. man. That's funny, though. If you can get to the bucket, get to the bucket, baby. Yeah, so, Malik, what, is, what does this uh, actually just say about, you know, the, the direction in terms of head coach and leadership being represented for minorities heading in a direction? For head coaches, you know, like Jerry Stackhouse. Oh, I love it because it ain't too many of us out here. You feel me? Yes. Especially in the athlete sense, Jamar preached this all the time. Like it ain't too many of us that's out here, and we, us as athletes, we're listening to these uh, people that's older than us, our coaches and everything, and they ain't been through the same struggles as us. They don't as look nothing like. Yeah, they don't look nothing like us. Like it's hard for us to just talk to them, open up to them, and even trust them that they got their that they got our best uh, our interest. best uh, interest. You feel exactly. me? Exactly. So like having Jerry Stackhouse, especially like Jerry Stackhouse and Penny Hardaway, somebody that's actually been in the league and has success and everything, step up and be coaches in that uh, at good schools like Memphis and uh, especially at Memphis, like they got a good history and everything. And uh, at Vanderbilt, like that's that's great because now you get you, that's a good recruiting tool to get more minorities at those schools and everything, and to even pull my, more minority. They probably know where to look at for basketball players and things like that. So. Sure. I feel like it's, it's definitely an upside too. It's, it's definitely a step in the right direction. I just hope that, like, you know, it doesn't take for. I just hope in the future to come, it doesn't take for us to be professional athletes for us to get those types of jobs. Yeah. You know, like there's a, there's a, there's more than 
more more candidates out there. Not saying that they're better than Jerry Stackhouse because obviously he has the experience and he has the knowledge. But there are other candidates out there who, who went to school and learned everything and then working their way up who, you know, hasn't got the opportunity yet. So, like, hopefully this opens the doors for more candidates like that. You know, me and Zach just had the conversation last night about all this type of stuff, you know. So, like, this is, like, great, you know. Like, just seeing more familiar faces as, you know, you're being taught to. Like, you know, like, not the great, not talking about anybody, talking down to anybody else, but, like, being there, like, me and Malik were athletes growing up growing up and stuff like that and getting to the collegiate level, like, my, my first, like, my first coach outside of hurdling was, and my sprint coach was a white man, and cool, good, cool dude and all that. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's a little easier to relate to somebody that you know struggles like you and still, you know, goes through the same things, you know? Yeah, and someone that, uh, you know, that looks like you and, you know, absolutely can can relate. Now, just talk a little bit about uh, your experiences with, with coaches, uh, Alex, and how important they were, you know, to you from, uh, from a basketball standpoint. Oh, yeah. Um... Really, um, coaches are, you know what I'm saying, they're supposed to be looked at like as a role model type mm -hmm. figure, you know what I'm saying, or like a second father figure for some kids out here, you know what I mean? Some kids don't, you know what I'm saying, have fathers in their homes and stuff like that, and they turn to like athletics and, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and coaches to be, to fill that void, you know what I mean? And, and like, for a lot of kids out here, you know what I'm saying, sports is all they have, really, you know what I mean? It's like a getaway, you know what I'm saying, to get away from problems, to, you know what I'm saying, exactly. escape, and like, you know what I'm saying, just channel channel some like some frustration, some some aggression, you know what I mean? So like getting coaches that's relatable to the kids, you know what I'm saying? It's a win-win for, you know what I'm saying, for both parties, for the university and also for, you know what I'm saying, kids out here that need people, you know what I'm saying, to look up to, you know what I mean? Exactly. Look like them, right? I agree with you 100% there. Shout out Chris Fowler. He one of the assistant coaches down at uh, Michigan State right now. If you don't up. know, if you don't know, Chris Fowler was uh, our point guard here in Central Michigan. Uh, was like 2011, 2012 through 2015, something like that? Yeah, something like that, for sure. So yeah, like that, that's a big thing, you know, cause like not only do, do coaches are like, coaches are supposed to be that second party figure and they're also supposed to mold you into a young man, you know? Like for black for black people period, for black men period, you know, like it's it's a good to, you know, to get to that next level and see a familiar face. Cause you know, like, you know, like they, everybody doesn't know like what you deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. But to have that person there that's like, you know, like to, yell at you and know where that know where that anger is coming from you know because they want you to do better you know like it means a little something more yeah it's actually funny though because like when i was interning down in the uh IAC, one of my uh one of the coaches that wrote my letter of recommendation joe paul he went down to uh, coach at utah state uh he was telling me how because you know i ran track and everything like i'm good at coaching speed i'm good mm -hmm. at coaching like things like that like football and stuff like that you can get me together I got, I got you, bro. All right. <laughs> give me a good, give me a good, give me a good month. I got you. Maybe more, than, maybe more than a month. No. <laughs> but uh, he was basically, he was basically telling me how uh, good of a coach he thought I would be, and especially a good of an asset I'd be to uh, these different programs through the country, because I am a minority, and I got the, like I got, I don't have necessarily had a right, but. I can walk into a football program and talk to the black athletes a certain way that they can't talk to them, you feel mm -hmm. me? I can yell at them a certain way that they will understand, but if one of them tried to yell at them like that, it would be a problem. Yeah, it's, it's like a, it's like a different me? psyche. Yeah. It's a different psyche. Yeah, yeah. It, ain't, it ain't like no, on no, on no disrespectful things or it ain't like, you, I just, like it's just something that it's like they look at me, I'm the only black person in the weight room, they, they feel like they can connect with me, which they can. And I don't know, that was just cool because it, it was something like I ain't never heard that come from like 
a non-minority's mouth before. Like, man, but this, you can be an asset true. with this type, with these type of uh, skills you got. It's true for sure, man. Cause it's like you know, like it's just sometimes it's just easier, you know, like you a little bit more relaxed when you see somebody that looks a little bit like you. And then not even that, like you know, like some of the some of them athletes, you know, have seen you. They know you to be an athlete there, so like they know that you understand all the struggles. So like with Jerry Stackhouse, it's like, okay, you know that he came up through these same rankings that I'm going up through now. So it's easy for me to be like, okay, I can go talk to Jerry. Instead of talking to a man that you ain't never seen do right, nothing. Right, right, right. You know, right. I never, you know, never had to go through any adversity. So it's like, why am I gonna come to you with my problems if you don't even understand where I'm coming from? For real. But on the brighter side, is at least for Baylor, um. Oh yeah, going, we know going to women's, women's basketball. Yeah. Shout out to women's hoops, man, because they really out here who doing that thing. You know, shout out to um to Fran, um <laughs> high school. You know, she won the high school dunk contest. <laughs> I don't know if y'all seen her, but check her out. I can't think of her last name right now, so apologize. Apologies for me. Uh, I don't know if she's going to better. She yeah. should go to better because uh, they just won that championship. But then again. She um, shouldn't because they only went in seven <laughs> years span. So. <laughs> so yeah, congratulations. Like you said, uh, Jamar, congratulations to Baylor University. They topped Notre Dame, which I was on the fence of who I wanted to go with. I know Baylor had only lost one time. And so that was kind of, you know, that was interesting. I wanted to see them kind of only, only win, you know, only lose one game throughout the whole season. But then on the other side, you got, uh, you got the Phenom, you know, missed, you know, 2-4. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Alagumaway. Ain't, no, ain't no underdogs 30, in this competition. You know, 30, That's the bad yeah, thing. She's a superstar in itself. You know, it's 31 points. Uh, she's going to be a phenomenal player in the WNBA. Exactly. The level. Yeah. Hey, hold on, Zach. I want to point something out to you. Because you remember when you was talking about, like, CMU basketball, how you thought, like, menace and all that would be a problem? Yeah. Bro, both teams only played two people off the bench. <laughs> but that's how it is in, college, in like, women's college and basketball. I was about to say, in Notre sure Dame, the two people off the bench only played five, five minutes. minutes. <laughs> it's five like, go ahead, give them, get them a rest, and then you're going to sit back down. Oh, you, oh yeah, championship. Ain't no messing with yeah, the mixture. Yeah, it probably would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's playoff rotation right there. That's crazy to me. You know, nobody played. Like, watching the game, I didn't know it's like they were really subbing up like that 40 minutes is uh she played the whole game you know Alagumbe she played the whole game if I can say it right you know I'm having yeah. trouble saying that name I think she's Nigerian regardless I mean we know who she is yeah, though and, and that's and that's the thing about like we don't give enough credit to women's basketball like a lot of them do that you know because we looked at it all year with Presley Hudson and Raina Frost you know playing 40 minutes a game it's like right now here shout out to double double boy all American yeah Presley Hudson what, shout, what shout, shout out to Presley Hudson shout out to Raina Frost all American you know. What should Presley Hudson do? Seventy-seven out of one hundred threes in the three-point shootout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. so that's uh, you know, that's putting Central on on the map in that regards, you know, and women's and she basketball. And hit that half-court shot for the uh, skill challenge time. We need some of them uh, them top twenty-five women's hoopers. You know what I'm saying? Come yeah, on, bring man. them out, bring them out, fire up, man. Coach, 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 Coach G got gonna get y'all right down here. Recruitment pitch one at a time. Recruitment <laughs> pitches one at a time. Come on, yeah. you, if you tired of assistant coaches being up in the videos, all in the videos, all on the court. Come on, some come to situation. Last, really going down. Man. Now, something that was interesting about the women's final four. Something that was interesting about the women's final four was that the ratings were an 11 percent increase from the previous year. Now that just goes to show you how. Uh, as a society has, you know, more and more started starting to actually accept, you know, women's basketball and, and show the, uh, you know, the amount of appreciation that it deserves. And I know that my time, 
you know, in my undergraduate career at Eastern Michigan University, my first gig, my first job ever related to like sports media or like anything multimedia related was being a a, a news writer, you know, a, a newspaper writer for uh, the Eastern Echo the, and covering the women's basketball team. And once the opportunity came and it presented itself, I never really looked back and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking to the uh, to the women's, you know, the women's team. I enjoyed talking to the head coaches, the assistant coach. I enjoy uh, post-game interviews and uh, mm-hmm. just breaking down, you know, everything within every article, you know, about the women's team. And so it, once you're in it, you know, once you're in a situation where you can appreciate something that's not being appreciated as much, it makes it more and more uh, valuable, you know, to you. And so exactly. for me, uh, I, I kind of value, you know, women's basketball because no, I was, I was women's, in it. Women's basketball is, is, is from like bottom to top, top to bottom type of deal. You know, like while men's basketball is like you can have that one player who gonna carry you through up. Like women's basketball, you can get a lot of like, you know, like being a star player, being like, you know, like this wouldn't have been possible without, and they thinking everybody from, two through 15, you know, thanking the head coach to the assistant coach to the athletic trainer and stuff like that. You know, like women's basketball, like Malik always say, like his coach said in high school, like you want to learn how to win a championship, watch women's basketball because that's team ball right there. And, you know, it ain't about one player. It's about the whole team coming together and getting the whole objective done. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. but, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, you're going to have, like, you know, on the college hoops level, you're going to have, like, at least one or two like women who like oh, yeah. Oh, sure. like, Preston Hudson, Raina Farm and you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, uh, Wale, for, for example, you know what I'm saying? She came in and dominated. Of course, you know what I'm saying? Everybody knew Notre Dame was going to make it. And like Brittany Griner, you know what I'm saying? Those oh, type yeah, players. Yeah. Candace Parker, Parker Skylar Parker. Diggins, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You're going to get one of those oh, every yeah. every couple years. And so, uh, you know, you have, like you said, all those previous players that's uh, that's come before this game. And then you have this game. You got a graduate. You got a graduate student in Chloe Jackson who's never played point guard in her life. With her and, five she, and she goes out there and she scores 26 points and gets five assists and steps up. In a big, in a big part of the uh, game, just like she did in the game before the that, just like she did in the game before that, scored that game when it left. Yeah, exactly, and then like you know, one of the top players for um, Baylor goes down, Lauren Cox, who's probably uh, will end up uh, returning next year and really have an impact for uh, Baylor to go back to the Final Four. But you know, they lose her early on into the game, and it's up to Chloe Jackson, the graduate assistant. I mean, the graduate student. She may be a graduate assistant as well. But she goes out and plays every minute of the game and goes out and has a, uh, a stellar performance. Bro, only one person on their team attempted a three-pointer on Baylor. You see that? Well, they were two for mm-hmm. seven. Bro. Yeah, 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 she was two for seven. That's one person. She was two for seven. Only one person attempted some threes. Yeah, she was two for seven. You got one job and one job only. You better get them up and get them up. Uh, and then only two people from Notre Dame. See, that's why I like women's basketball. They're not chucking up threes. Absolutely. And they playing defense. It depends on who you are, though, because yeah. um, Central Michigan gets them up. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I see you definitely. You already know. They, the, no matter if it's men's and women's, they getting them up. Well, men, women's more more now, but, like, yeah. I mean, they ain't got sure that, getting them up. They ain't got as much pressure as men to make it to the league, I don't feel like, either. That's why they play yeah, like that no, team ball. Yeah, no, for sure. They know, like, unfortunately, they know, like, even if they go to the league, 
they only get paid 50, yeah. 60,000 a year. Which isn't months. enough, right? Yeah, Which isn't months. enough. So they not really keying in on that, you feel me? They just want championships. They just want to play with their they team. They going all four years, you feel me? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, WNBA draft is is obviously soon to come. But it's just we just don't get enough, like, you know, hype for the um, for that for that, you know, for the women's draft, for the women's league, for any of that, you know, like even for men's, you know, like we be we talk we talk from the from before they even started playing about like, you know, who's number one, who's number two, and then like all throughout the season we like, okay, well that guy just moved up a spot, that guy just moved a spot. We never we never sit there and watch women's basketball. We hardly ever watch women's basketball if we're talking honestly, and we never sit there and be like, Oh, Anagumbe is gonna be you know, the number two pick, number one pick on um, for sure. You know, because at the end of the day, like, they can be number one pick, but it's like they still not getting paid as much as the it's the thirtieth pick in the in the, in the NBA, NBA draft. Okay, yeah, absolutely. You know, cause like we sit here and watch the NBA draft, I'm like, oh, that guy fell out of the top ten. He only making a couple a couple million. Now, yeah. while the women is like, you fell out of the top ten, it's like, is you even gonna make more than what I'm making at McDonald's working forty hours a week all year? You know, like regardless, you know, you plan to get playing the game that you wanna play, but it's just like the respect just isn't there. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh Equal pay is definitely something that needs to be mentioned. And I don't think necessarily WNBA has to make the same amount of money as the you know, NBA players because that's that's a huge far stretch. Yeah, because you could, but then you got to think about the crowd there too, though. You know, yeah. like NBA games, like regardless if it's a Detroit, Phoenix, or if it's going all the way to the Lakers and then the Knicks and stuff like that, like with their fan engagement, you know, like you getting not necessarily full full crowds, you getting a big crowd engagement stuff like that. Why, TV contracts. Why, yeah, but then again, with the with the men's side is how are we you know talking about it. You know, like we we on promote it and everything like that. Like with the clothing brand stuff like that. It's like if you gonna promote it like this, then you know you gonna pay the players because you getting more people there. Women's, you know, it's like uh, we gonna promote it a little bit. Yeah, they don't promote mm -hmm. it at all. And like I put it in my uh, presentation a couple weeks ago, like they have women's sports on like ESPN two, ESPN three, ESPN U. And we not watching that. You can't get it. Or you can't. You have, or you don't have the yeah. Or you don't mean I even have the That's channel. What I'm so in that case, you gotta pay fifteen dollars for or twenty dollars for a month subscription just to watch this team play. And Which you is, might, not, might not necessarily watch all female sports. You might just watch that one <coughs> team. You feel me? Yeah, absolutely. But you got to pay twenty dollars for a membership. Which is sometimes, you know, um, unfair. But yeah, women's basketball, I believe, is slowly heading in the right direction in terms of notoriety, in terms of uh, promotion. You know, promoting because uh, the men, the men's, uh, you know, WNBA. I mean, not WNBA, but the NBA. They went out on a limb last year, and they've you know done done a better job of promoting uh, the WNBA and women's basketball, and you know things like that. So you know I think it's all worked out, and you know the WNBA draft it's uh, it's coming up, and we'll see you know a few names that were in the Final Four. We'll see their names being selected in this upcoming WNBA draft. Uh, Asia Durr from Louisville. We got to see her up close and personal <laughs> when they traveled up here to CMU. A bucket, a real, real life bucket. You know, Tierra McCohen from Mississippi State—that's a notable name. Jackie Young, she just played in the championship game for Notre Dame, as well. Nafisa Kalir uh, from UConn, she's an exceptional player, uh, five-eight. I mean, uh, six-two forward. Agunga Balawe <laughs> from Notre Dame. She'll obviously be going somewhere special at the next level WNBA. Right now, it looks like she could possibly end up Minnesota Lynx as being 
um, so, someone very important's replacement that they used to play, you know, for the Lynx with mm -hmm. um, with Maya Moore. Stepping so, away from the so, game. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. Then you got Kalani Brown, the six foot seven center from Baylor. You know, she'll be in this draft too as well. And then Megan. Is that the um, center from Baylor? The duck, like really from good. From Iowa. Who got the bounce? Kalani Brown. That was you said, Kalani Brown. Right? Nah, mm -hmm. that's that. I thought. What? That was that. <laughs> No, there's also there's also a um, an Asian individual. Yup, um, Han Zhu. She is six nine, center from China. Uh, from China, so she'll be uh, potentially coming trees, over to the WNBA. Women's too. basketball breaking barriers. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's what's up, man. Yeah, definitely. Breaking Hold on, barriers. did y'all see the dunk contest? The high school dunk contest? Yes, I did. Oh she, yeah, she see was, my baby she was uh, sure jumping doing. over. Fuck, man. Man, no. For sure, she, um, it's a new dawn. It's a new day. We just, just got, we just got it. But, the, but that's that's the good thing about that dunk, the Powerade dunk contest on Slam Fest, or is, or is that what it is, Jam Fest, something mm -hmm. like that. Like it's um, that's the good thing about them is they giving them a spotlight. You know, that's the only, that's the only difference between men and women is that we just get them, we just get them more of an audience. You know, so with the more with giving them more exposure, it'll be better for them. You know, to get them more pay and stuff like that. Cause that's the that's one of the biggest differences. Is that like more people just watch, you know, man, the NBA than the WNBA, like you know. And one of the things is like we don't even know when it when it airs. So, gotta get the app, get the WNBA app. That's well, all I, I can really suggest. I should, need, I should, need, but I should. But, <laughs> do, I, but I do, do I need a W? Do I need an NBA app to watch the games? You know what I'm saying? Like I feel what you're saying. Like cause if I'm really interested in it, then get a WNBA. But you gotta really be a fan of it or really be interested in it. You know, aside from NBA, you know, like you be watching. You know TNT, ABC on a, on a regular show, and then the commercial be like, "Don't forget to tune in to the Lakers versus the Spurs." You know, like you get that. So what you're saying is they could do the same thing for the WNBA. They could, as they well. could. You know, are they? I don't know. Time will tell. But you know, we'll see. Well, this concludes the first edition of this part of the podcast. Don't go anywhere. We will continue this thing. We'll keep it going. We'll keep it rocking. Don't go anywhere. What's up? You my poser when I want freedom. You my poser when I want justice. You my poser when I want equality. Want me to go somewhere and fight for you? You won't even stand up for me right here in America. America.